Um, you're right, though. There's any any one of these top six, seven guys you can make an argument for. It's it's kind of just picking your lane and going with it. I made I made two bets today already. Um, a little bit further down, I I took Scotty Scheffler at uh, 2800. Finished seventh here last year. He obviously, as I limited starts being a young player, but he's never won on tour. I like his ability to just make birdies. Um, when he gets going with the putter, he's as hot as anyone. I love the number on him. Welcome to Your Best Bets. The Genesis Invitational is this week. Uh, I, I, I don't put this lightly. It might be my favorite tournament of the year that's not a major championship. I love this golf tournament. Uh, we're going to preview that tonight. going to review what we saw in Phoenix last week, which was truly a spectacular tournament, and it never, ever fails to deliver. Um, so we, we, we hit it. We had a big winner. We had a runner-up. We had a big week as far as our picks go. We'll talk about that. Joining... Once again, Johnny Strauser after a week off. Johnny, how we doing? Good, good. Uh, you know, got to watch a good Super Bowl and uh, a good, uh, good tournament. That it's always one of my favorites. But I swear to you that the Phoenix Open gets better year after year. It seems like, and and this this year was no no different. Are we sure it was a good Super Bowl? I mean, that's probably another discussion, but. Um... It was close. I don't know if it was necessarily good. We can argue about that uh, another time. But you were probably happy as the uh, honorary Matt Stafford backer that uh, he got a Super Bowl. Yeah, I was wearing my my Detroit Rams shit. No, I wasn't doing that stuff. No, I was happy. I was happy for him. I, I don't feel any sort of vindication as a as a diehard Lions fan, but I'm happy for him that a guy who you know put a lot to being successful in Detroit that, you know, that he ended up uh, um, getting a Super Bowl. You know, unfortunately it wasn't with Detroit, but uh, happy for the guy. But other than that, the Lions still suck. So, Yeah, not this is Super Bowl, not quite with Detroit for sure. Um, Zach Fitzgerald, first, um, first golf show in a little while here. Um, Savvy veteran in your own right, as we talked about last week. Welcome back. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I you, still, and Eric, I, you and Eric I, Whittle. I, yeah, I, I watched that comment. I hope I don't tear a peck uh, in my first hole that I play this coming year. Uh, yeah, I, I watched that back and it made me laugh. I, I hope that I'm not yet a savvy veteran, but still hope to be. Uh, yeah, excited to do a golf podcast. Uh, the tournament last week is fun, and I think. I think that tournament's great. Uh, it gives, you know, hopefully a different uh, group of fans that maybe think that golf is kind of a rich man's, you know, uh, uptight sport, uh, that maybe it's a little different than what, what it used to be 50 years ago. I know that around here we have a lot of fun with all the people that we play with from most of the courses. And uh, I just, I think that it, it at least shines a brighter light and allows golf to hopefully be looked upon as more of a fun sport and not just, you know, a staunchy, rich, uptight game. Yeah. And Tim and I talked about it last week. This tournament has taken a turn. Uh, I remember 10 years ago, I said it was more of just like a Super Bowl appetizer. The field wasn't great. It, the, it was really low scoring. And now it's become, uh, it's become really one of the, the tournaments guys put on their schedules that they want to play because the golf course, I think, is underrated. The finish is great. This year we saw it play super firm and fast. It was, it was tough, it was, but fair, and the field was amazing, and it's just always an electric finish. Um, we'll talk about our picks in a second, but Johnny, what did, I mean, this event is it's pretty elite now, right? Yeah, it absolutely is, and I, I think, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the, the crowds have always been big um, for as long as I can remember. And like hole 16, um, you know, before they had the stands and, and all that stuff and the, the crazy parties and everything, I, I think the, the pros being a little more uptight at the time, you know, they didn't want any part of that. So they would just, they would just skip it. But it, this younger generation of golfers, um, you know, I think they embrace it. Um, they know that it's not a week in and week out thing, but 
it's it's uh, turned into you know quite the the fun thing for the the pros themselves. And I mean, I can't imagine stepping in, you know, walking underneath the stands, and then you've got tw- what twenty one, twenty two thousand. That's a that's an an NBA basketball arena of fans that are that are lining this this golf hole here. But not only that, but um, you know, generally you get that good weather um, in in the valley there. And then the golf course, like you said, the golf course is is a, a really good layout. It's just it's a good solid test of golf. It's fair. It's always in phenomenal shape. Um, and they, you know, even though the, the winner was what 16, 17 under par, it didn't feel that way though. It didn't feel like it was just this birdie fest where you got to shoot 24 under par to, to, to sniff the lead. Um, having it firm and fast um, and in really, really good shape just uh, I, I think really appeals to the players that they they, they have to play golf. You know, it's not just hitting every fairway and then firing at every pin. Um, and I think just everything that uh, the, the tournament committee, that the golf course has done it, over the past 10, 15 years has, has really made it a, uh, you know, one of the, the, the true good stops of the West Coast swing. I, my only qualm is I wish I wish 17 was the finishing hole. I mean, how how awesome would that be? That's such uh, a good hole. I mean, it's it it's it, I think it's the best par four on tour. I know Riviera this week we'll talk about number 10, and it's it's got the history and more notoriety. But I think I think 17 uh, at Scottsdale is a great hole. I mean, you hit that a couple feet to the left. It's you get some weird bounces. Um, it's just a great strategy hole. I'd, I'd love to see that as 18, but um, yeah, everything you guys said is, is, is right on point. 16 is so much fun. The, the two hole in ones we saw was, was, it was awesome. I loved it. You know, do we need, do we need fans throwing, throwing beer when Justin Thomas chips in on Sunday? Oh, probably not, but you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have that you guys, people are going to go over the edge with the whole thing. If with those kind of situations, the thing with Damon and Higgs was really fun. So I'm all for it. Um, let's talk about the let's talk about the guy that won the tournament, Scotty Scheffler. Um, I picked him. I, I, first name I mentioned on the podcast last week. I know. Um, and then Tim Tim was on board. You know, was Tim on board because it was me? I don't know. Or was he? Did he really like Scotty? Of course, Tim was at the tournament. He had a great seat on uh, 18 for the playoff. He was a couple rows uh, to the the left side of the green. So he. He uh, took a picture of uh, Scheffler's ball when he missed the green in the playoff, and it was literally right in front of him. So um, I'm sure Tim had a good time. Uh, Scheffler, we've been talking about for a long time here, uh, continual breakout candidate. Um, we know he makes birdies and bunches. He, of course, made the Ryder Cup team without winning last year. Uh, this seemed inevitable. It, it it kind of felt like, oh, my gosh, after he birdied 17, like, Scotty Scheffler, he – He's in this and he could win it. it he kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. Um, Zach, your thoughts on, on how he kind of snuck up there in the end with, I think, a five birdies in the last seven holes? Well, uh, I didn't get to watch a lot of the end of the tournament. I was at a Super Bowl party and they were watching it, but I was watching it as much as possible on my phone. And, uh, you know, you had sent me a message uh, saying something about it's on. And at that point, I hadn't looked at my phone for like 10 minutes. And I looked and all of a sudden he's tied with Cantlay. I was thinking about 15 minutes prior to that, that I was looking pretty strong for the win. You know, we had said some things uh, to each other on the back nine that it looks like, you know, it, it may come down to the, you know, the podcast uh, win and a playoff, which, you know, it was exciting. I came out on, on the, the losing end of it, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's, Still cool to see you win one, and uh, now Johnny has one, and you have two, and I guess I need to catch up. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that we've been talking about Scheffler winning. I picked him a few times to win, and he didn't come through. So it was nice that, you know, you kept the faith and finally picked him when he did come through and win. Yeah, Johnny, uh, you know, I think we remember in Houston in the fall, it, he was making the turn on the back nine. I think he was up a couple shots. And I remember I was saying like, oh, damn it, missed on Scheffler, Scheffler's first win. And then he kind of did the thing where he had, you know, that I don't want to say he choked that one away, but he didn't he didn't make the didn't make the putts on the stretch. And the putter's always key with him. When he gets that putter going like he did, uh, you know, the back nine Sunday, he's he, he can make as many birdies as anyone. That's why I liked him this week. Um, your thoughts on him 
any thoughts on the win, anything specifically like that? Well, you know, I, I, I agree with, with what you're saying. Yeah. He can make a lot of birdies. The guy is as talented physically as, as anybody out there. Really. Um, one thing I did notice in that, that final round um, got to watch pretty much the whole thing um, was he was very, he was very patient and he didn't really outwardly get down on himself. Um, you know, when he struggled in the past or when he's had a lead or contended and that putter's not working, you, you can see the frustration and, and a guy who's a, a golfer who is, who's getting frustrated. And then they, they begin to kind of doubt themselves. Um, you know, that's just a recipe for disaster. And that's a lot of what I think happens in. He is a good putter. He is a good ball striker. You know, he's, he's every bit of that. It's just a matter of him telling himself that. And with all the guys that were, were um, up there. And I mean, he had, you know, you know, he had Cantley and Kepka. Um, you know, there was a, there was a whole host of players that were up there um, to, to remain patient. And, you know, he didn't, you know, he hit good putts, but he didn't make them, but he didn't seem like it was like, same old Scotty Scheffler that we'd seen the past couple of years when he got contention. And I think that was a big stepping stone to, to him, you know, getting in that playoff and, and finishing it out. He had that putt. What was it like eight feet or less or six feet on at the end oh of regulation to win, yeah. hit a bad putt, didn't even hit the hole, um, you know, missed it on the high side and everything like that, but just didn't seem to get down on himself. And I think that was the, that that's just critical. That's critical in sports, but especially in golf. Um, and when you've got all that pressure, you've got, uh, you know, a certain part of your golf game that, uh, you don't necessarily have confidence in. And he, he was able to kind of hang in there and, um, you know, you got, you know, Pat Cantley, who's, who doesn't seem to fold much under pressure, you know, having to beat him in a playoff, I thought it was quite remarkable. And, I'm mm -hmm. kicking myself still to this day by not tailing your pick. Uh, you know, I'll admit it. I, 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 I saw that you picked Scheffler and Tim agreed. I was thinking why, you know, with, with this type of field, but showed me something glad you got in on it on that first win. And, and uh, I don't think I'm going to miss on him going forward because he showed me kind of what he needed to show me. It was good to see him close like that. And, uh, you know, I would have preferred he closed it out on the 72nd hole from six feet. Um, that was, I, I thought he was done after that. I really did. I thought that was his chance, uh, especially going against Cantley, who was just a stone cold killer. And I'm going to talk about him in a second, but uh, just to review the picks guys, you know, I, I, I put this out on, on social, but uh, we, we have 15 picks a week. We hit seven of the 15. That's pretty good. Um, you know, mo most of them weren't necessarily long odds or anything, but most of them were plus odds. And then, of course, Scheffler at 22. Luckily, I got in early in the week. I got him at 30. Um, but that's our, our third win in six events in 22. And actually going back to the wraparound season, it's our sixth win in 15 events. Um, that's that's decent. That is a that's a decent percentage. So we have been on a pretty good run of good. picking winners here. Um, I want to do rapid fire real quick uh, because I can't wait to get to Charlie Hoffman in a second, but I want to do rapid fire. Give me a couple thoughts on each of these guys. Pat Cantley, we kind of just talked about it. Um, I think he's going to make every putt he's over at this point. He might be the best player in the world. Zach? Uh, seems unflappable, has for years. Uh, he put together the best live round I've ever seen by a person at Sycamore Hills. So uh, I will tell you that I expect big things from him this year. Just like our, our friend Xander, which, who we'll talk about in a second. Uh, Johnny, yeah. quick, mm -hmm. quick rapid fire on Pat. Yeah, same thing, unflappable. Um, the only thing I will say is – uh, seems like he will make every putt, but he doesn't putt well on slow greens. So, you know, if you're looking to bet him, we talk about slow greens. I, I think he's a guy that you got to pause with. But other than that, he's going to be a consistent player for much of the season. Uh, his his finishes so far this season in, in 22, uh, four, fourth, ninth, fourth, and second. That's not a bad run. Um, Sahith Tagala, uh, that was fun. That guy earned a ton of fans. Um, Zach, you probably don't know this, but Johnny and I both had him at first round leader. Um, we go to we go to sleep Thursday night, and he is leading the golf tournament, but he's got two holes to finish in his first rounds. 
and he's up by one. And he's he he has about a was about fifteen footer Johnny on his the eighth hole. Yeah, about like yeah. So we're like, okay, even if he misses that nine nine is gettable. He's he'll probably make par at worst. Maybe give himself a look, you know, to be outright. So he misses the putt on eight, goes to nine. Just I think he hit in the fairway bunker, couldn't get to the green. Just sloppy bogey and devastation. It was it was a hundred. Well, I had him a hundred one. Johnny had eighty to one first round leader. Then he goes and leads the the second round and the third round and almost all of the last round. So he he almost got us twice really. But um, I was incredibly impressed. He's got a he just seems like a fun guy, good nature guy, easy to root for. We know what he did in the Corn Ferry Tour uh, a couple years ago. Um, it seems like he's got a lot of game and he really stood up to, I mean, really the elite players in the game the whole weekend, Johnny. Yep. Definitely. was not, didn't seem scared. Um, didn't, wasn't afraid of the moment. Stood toe to toe with, uh, you know, with, with Brooks Kepka, Kepka for a couple rounds there played good. He was, um, unbelievable a few years ago at Pepperdine. Um, he was the best player in the country. They were going to win the national championship. He was their top guy. Uh, that was the the spring that got canceled by COVID, um, so never got to really finish his career. So kind of was forced to turn pro, and hopefully he's here to stay because I talent wise, and I think he's got the mental makeup that uh, he'll be a tour winner. And you know, I expect him to be, uh, you know, have his card at least for for years to come. And you know, I I could see him winning um, several times on tour. Zach. Uh, I thought it was really cool to see all the people that were there at the tournament to watch him, all the support that he was given, uh, you know, and even though he came up short, I guarantee that those people you know, still think of him as a champion. So that to me, I think is the coolest part of this story. I think he's going to have many more opportunities to win tournaments, but, you know, for him to be shown that amount of support uh, in his first attempt, I think that that, that could really propel him to do big things just having that type of support group is really what you need if you're going to be famous and, and not screwed up in the end. Xander Shoffley. Um, Zach, you'll be surprised. I, I could have won more money off of Xander winning than Scheffler. Uh, I, I, I parlayed him with a couple uh, college basketball games early in the week and those hit and his number got really nice for me. And I had a good feeling he was going to play well and he just – he didn't play poorly like he normally does on Sunday, especially late in the day. He hung around, he hung around, made a bunch of pars, birdied 17. Um, he, I, I just, I, I knew he was going to miss that putt on, on the 72nd hole. Um, but his, his, his uh, tee to green game was immaculate and his putting just let mm-hmm. him down on the weekend scene. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he, Say it tends to do that. I mean, if he if he doesn't win a tournament to these in, it's because of his putter. Normally, I think he was first tee to green, uh, and I still think he's going to do big things this year. Uh, I, I think he can't land more cower on my guys, and I think he's going to do big things this year. Just like I said in that. I mean, you're really going out on a limb there with KLA Morikawa, for sure. Uh, Johnny, you called it Saturday afternoon. You said Sanders is done. He's not winning. And you were right. Yep. Unfortunately, just doesn't have that. I don't know. Just doesn't have that uh, that, that killer instinct that uh, I've talked about before. I think I talked about that with Tony Finau. Um, doesn't seem to have that, just that it factor a lot of times on, on Sunday. And he just looked... He just looked kind of like, you know, he wasn't there. There was just something that wasn't there on Saturday. Just it wasn't that uh, aggressive kind of mindset. He did play okay um, on Sunday, and he contended and everything. But uh, you know, the, the same kind of thing. And and he's you know he's getting to the point where he's gonna um, he's gonna have to prove it because he's got all the talent as much as you know any any of these guys any of these top guys on tour. But it's just. It's just putting it all together and, um, you know, you know, being aggressive like that. And I, I'm going to keep, I said, I'm going to wait until at least the U S open here to reserve some judgment and everything like that on him. So he's still got some time here to, you know, to, to, um, close it out. But, you know, each time you just wonder if there's some emotional damage that he just, uh, you know, isn't able to do it. So, We'll see. Talent-wise, it's there. It's just it's just a matter of wanting to get that win and doing anything possible. Kind of that 
that, that Sunday tiger factor, you know, where it was just like, he, he would do anything to, to win a golf tournament. And so far Xander just doesn't necessarily uh, display any of that. Anything else from Phoenix besides Hoffman, who we'll get to next. I do not. I'm good. Charlie Hoffman on Friday. Um, I'm just going to read it, guys. Uh, he posts after his round on Instagram, what a joke at USGA at PJ Tour. I, I actually just enjoy reading it. Today on the 13th hole, I might drive in the water and took a drop on the side of a hill with no grass. I dropped it twice, and I placed it on a small turf of grass. Turned around, the ball started rolling in the water. I was under the impression that the USGA had changed that rule. I was wrong. Had to take another penalty for doing nothing wrong at all. Did everything by the book. It's mind-blowing that a group of amateurs rule the professional game of golf. I also blame the tour rules official for putting out a terrible penalty area line where this could even happen. No accountability at any level here. No protection for the players at all. That's my favorite. You wonder why guys are wanting to jump ship, go play on another tour. Players need transparency, protection, and consistency. We don't have that under the current governing bodies. At Golf Channel, at Golf Digest, at DP World Tour, at Saudi Golf, and a bunch of other media outlets. Sorry, Jay, we need to do better at all levels of the PGA Tour, including myself, who represent the players on board of the tour. If we don't, we won't have a tour any longer. Uh, I just want to go back and talk about the line where he talked about not being protected. I don't know if there's any more player, any player more protected than a guy like Charlie Hoffman, who has won four times in his career. He's made, I think, over $30 million is what I saw. It might have been closer to 40 after I looked at it. Um, I don't even know where to start with this. It's it, it, it basically set Twitter on golf Twitter on fire Friday night and um, into Saturday, and it's pretty much all you heard about. Um, there's a lot of layers to this, but what was your initial impression when you heard, uh, or I guess read it or, or heard about it, Zach? Well, I'm wondering with that line, what is he talking about? Is he talking about you know? protection from rule decisions that they don't like is he talking about forming like a golf union uh i i'm not sure what he means by protection it's not the choice of words that i would have used um i i think he has some some valid points i mean i think that rule is it's hard for me i would think it would be unfair to get penalized in that way but at the same point it is the rule and he says no accountability anywhere but he at no point pointed accountability at himself either which he's also accountable it's the rule i mean it's it's unfortunate but it is the rule so i i don't know i mean a lot of the things that he said i think are, are somewhat ridiculous and the whole thing about this is why people want to leave. I don't think it has anything to do with it. People would leave to go play in that Saudi golf tour because of money and money only. Um, and I don't, I, I don't think it has these type of decisions have absolutely nothing to do with people wanting to leave to go play on that Saudi golf. Tour. Johnny, it's, it's kind of ironic that he, he talked about protection. Then he tagged Saudi golf, um, in the same post. I mean, there's a lot of irony to that. What were your thoughts? I mean, I mean, one tour probably has a bone saw that will, you know, cut your arm off if you make double. And one is going to, you know, if you make $30 million for being mediocre on tour that, you know, this is the, the PJ tour protects guys specifically like him. I mean, he is the, he, they're not protecting Brooks Kepkin. They're protecting Charlie Hoffman's and, and these other guys who are good, but not, you know, not the next level. Um, your first of all, this guy is one of the few members of the player advisory committee. Like shit like this is exactly what he is there for. He represents the PGA tour players that, that do that, that, you know, would, would uh, change rules or change, you know, stuff like that. But they would go to the rules committee and say, Hey, back on 13 there, you had a terrible uh, hazard line. My ball, you know, rolled down after I, I placed it on a, a tough of grass, not a tough, but a tough. Um, and then, so it's just like, and, and really, I mean, it was 90% bullshit of him just being, 
just angry at the situation. And 10% of it was, was pretty accurate. I mean, you know, there is, you know, they're right. There is some, there's, there's not much accountability what he thought, but there's also, there's none in that post from what he said. He's, he was mostly just venting. And I think him trying to power play his opinion by tagging Saudi golf was just, um, you know, uh, an indirect threat. You know, most of it was just, it was just garbage. I mean, it's just him just venting, but he has got to, he has a significant part in helping change that. I mean, like I said, he's one of the few guys that they meet with the upper management of the PGA tour and they go over stuff like that, whether they go over it monthly, you know, by yearly, yearly, I don't know, but it's just like, it's a dude who is protected and, and everything like that, you know, going on this tirade here and golf Twitter had none of it. I mean, they just had, had a field day with him and you know he felt bad and he he posted something the next day and has since deleted the original post and, and everything like that so like i said i think he was just angry i don't i wouldn't read anything into oh these players want to go play you know in the saudi golf tour they're going to do that if they want money and and that's it they're not going to do that because they don't feel like the pga tour protects them i mean they, you know nowhere else can you be kind of this I don't want to say mediocre because Charlie Hawkins is a good player, but you know where you could be this level of as good at your job compared to others and make as much money as he's made in his career. So, you know, I don't take much from it other than it's just some, some dumbass being, being an idiot, making some, you know, emotional comments there. And, you know, he backtracked pretty much and, and I'm sure everything will be fine, but you know, in this day and age, you can't do that. Golf Twitter will burn you at the stake if uh, if you if you do stuff like this. They, there's no mercy. What it what it did do though is continue a lot of momentum of of Saudi golf uh, SGL discussion. Uh, you know, Tim and I talked about it last week with a lot of Mickelson's comments. Um, you know, now this just continued that 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 momentum rolling in that direction. Where is this headed? We saw in that Instagram post, uh, Phil and Bryson responding like, absolutely. You're right. And, um, I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, I was reading today on Twitter, uh, Daniel Rappaport, uh, really good writer for golf, golf digest. Um, Kramer Hickok, uh, you know, PJ tour player says a lot of guys that, um, are on tour are planning on jumping to the Saudi league. Um, he said like 15 to 20 have already signed on talking about 12 to 14 events, a lot of them in the U S uh, 40 player fields. And then, you know, then in the same breath, Rappaport also reported that he talked to another, a, a top 10 player that said the Saudi league is not close and they were, they would have to fill the, the field with Greg Norman um, because they don't have enough players. So I don't know where the truth is. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, we saw the the discussion with, you know, last week about Bryson being offered over a hundred million dollars uh, to be the face of Saudi golf, which is pretty hilarious to me. So I don't know where this this lies. I don't know where it ends, but it seems like there are you know there's a lot of top guys rumored to be in discussion. Bryson, Phil, I know DJ hasn't necessarily came out and said no. Guys like Westwood have have made comments that make it sound like, oh, I'm 48 years old. Why wouldn't I take a guaranteed 50 million dollars at this point? Um, I don't know, Zach, any, any thoughts on any of, of the Saudi golf piece um, with, with everything that happened with Hoffman, but I guess after that, what's, what's your thoughts on this, on the potential Saudi golf league? I mean, uh, I would prefer that, that everybody stays under the same umbrella, uh, but at the same time, I mean, they're independent contractors. So if, if they want to go and play in the Saudi golf league, uh, who am I to tell them not to take that money? Um, I would never want to tell anybody what to do with their money. So uh, I, I don't know if they've worked out TV rights. Uh, you know, obviously you're going to have a lot of people that are unhappy about just the fact that it is a Saudi group that is doing this and human rights violations and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, to get 40 players that... I believe the PGA Tour has said that if you do this, you cannot play in the majors. Am I correct on that? 
they can't play in the PGA Tour events. It's up to the majors because they're not run by the PGA Tour, but they will no longer be welcome to ever play in the PGA Tour again, in theory. Yeah, I, I just don't think I, – I think you got guys that are chasing legacies here, and I don't think that – I don't think they're going to give up. I don't think you're going to get 40 top-tier guys to give up their careers uh, – for fifty million dollars, I mean, fifty million dollars now and twenty years in endorsements, they could make four hundred. I mean, you just have no idea what what money could be. The contracts could be like, and even ten years from now. So I just don't see it being a smart move on any of their parts to to give up a single avenue or, or to give up a permanent avenue for one that, if it works out well, they could probably jump on in five or ten years, anyways. We've had uh, top players. Uh, even Morikawa came out today and said he's aligned with the tour. Rory, Rom, JT, uh, a lot of those guys have have mentioned that they would not be jumping ship. Um, so Johnny, I don't know if it's a case. Uh, Tim and I kind of jo- we kind of joked about it last week, but kind of serious. Like I don't know if Phil's run through his money and he is looking for a payday at at fifty two years old, fifty one, fifty two. Um, so I'm not sure what the, what his gripe is against with the tour that, I mean, I mean, they, they, his, his, you know, being on tour basically has made his life what it is. So I don't, I don't really get all of Phil's gripes with the tour, but where's this thing going to end? You think? Well, I think a case with Phil Mickelson, you know, cause he'll probably be the headliner that, that jumps, but Phil is going to be. I don't think he's got loyalties. I really don't. I, I don't think he he has the mindset that the PGA Tour gave him all of this. So he'll take the next biggest check that he can find. And you know, compared to playing on the Champions Tour, you know, he's probably would get way more there. But as far as how this is going to turn out, it, it's going to get a bunch of fringe players. It's going to get um, a lot of interest from guys who are you know kind of in the top or I mean in the 100 to 175 range of the FedEx cup, um, it's going to get a lot of the, you know, the corn fairy guys are going to have interest. The uh, PGA tour Canada guys, the ones that are looking to make that money, they'll, you know, they'll look for, you know, guaranteed appearance fees and everything like that, just so they can play in that and then, you know, give themselves a good, good living. But as far as any of these top guys, they're not going to do it, and they and they're not going to do it initially. It may take a guy like Phil Mickelson to do it. Let's say Phil gets over there, you know, um, the tour ends up being fairly successful. Then yeah, you could get a, a DJ who's you know forty six, forty seven, you know, something like that, and and not really contending or or anything like that in the major championships. Yeah, and they offer him one hundred and fifty or two hundred million dollars to go over there. I could see something like that, but like a lot of the thought of these top players is, is they want their legacy to be on the PJ tour and, you know, the records that, that Jack Nicholas and, and Tiger Woods and, you know, all these guys have set. I, I think they feel, I think they feel genuinely loyal towards the tour. So if this starts up, which I'm sure it will at some point, you're going to get guys and I'm just going to name just randoms here. So you're going to get the, you know, the Kramer Hickox and the, you know, the Danny Lees and, you know, Peter Malnati's that are the ones that are going to be over there playing. And, you know, whether that's going to be that interesting for, you know, golf fans like us three to watch, I can't imagine. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't have much, and just listening to what these top players are saying, I don't have much uh, hope that this is going to take off, at least initially, and and I don't see any reason why it would. I'm glad you guys mentioned the the legacy. I, I know Rory has talked about that. He said he he's playing against history. You know, the major championships mean everything to him. If joining Saudi Gulf would it would legitimately put playing the majors in jeopardy. We don't know exactly what that looks like, you know, since the US Open is run by the USGA and you know the PJ Championship run by PJ America. So it I don't think it's there's a real clear cut answer on how those would bear out with with, with potential rival golf leagues yet. But it's interesting. It's we're, we haven't really talked about it much here, but uh, something to follow as we go forward. I and see where we're at in a couple months. It just it, there's been so much momentum gained in the last two or three weeks uh, with these these leagues, especially the Saudi league. Um, 
but I'm ready to talk about Genesis. Uh, the I think I don't know if you guys agree. I think it's uh, it might be the best golf course just every year that they play on tour. Um, I, I I love this track. We were talking before we went live. I, I love the aesthetics of it. I love how it's set down in the valley um, in the hills of, of LA. I just I said I love the trees. I love everything about this course. Um, it usually proves out to be a really good tournament. Uh, Max Homa winning last year uh, was a lot of fun. Um, it's it's weird. You usually you either get really elite winners here, or you get like JB Holmes in 2019 out of nowhere. Um, it's and we've seen guys like John Merrick win here, and I, I was around 2010. I, I forget, but I mean we've seen some kind of random winners, but also some really elite winners here. Um, so let's talk about the golf course, 7,322 yards, par 71, Poet Greens, of course. Um, you know, when looking at some of the comp courses, uh, Quail Hollow is one that really kind of is one that really, if you play well at Quail Hollow, you usually play well here. Um, also, Augusta, um, you talk about a Bubba track, Augusta's a Bubba track. Uh, Riviera is above a track. It's, it's kind of a weird thing. Um, probably, you know, the most famous par four on tour number 10 that we were talking about earlier. Also, maybe the easiest hole on tour. The first hole is about as easy a par five as you'll get on tour. Um, and then the sixth hole has the, the bunker right in the middle of the green, uh, the par three. Um, what are you guys looking at this week? Are you looking at course history when you're making your plays? Are you looking at a certain metric? Um, what do you like, Zach? Well, I, I like to look at history at this particular event. Um, I think, like you said, it, it tends to favor kind of more of, of an elite winner, but there are potentially times where guys get sprinkled in that are not, you know, what you would consider elite. Um, so uh, for me, I'm looking more towards the top, I think, on this one. And then, um, try to find some some plus bets in the the lower tiers. Johnny, when I was looking at the numbers earlier today, um, we know ball striking around here is really key. Um, but I think I think scrambling is low key important at Riviera. You you you're gonna miss your share of greens uh, because how demanding it is tee to green. You want guys that can get the ball up and down. I don't know if Max Homa is the perfect profile, but he he was able to do it last year. But um, a- anything outside of those that you're looking at? Well, I do want strokes gained tee to green. I think this this kind of this golf course will bring out the best in in everything. I mean, it's got tight um, tight like gentle gentle bending par fours and par fives so you got to be able to, to position yourself off the tee the greens are are uh, real challenging because they're, they're pretty bumpy as far as little little mounds and you know um tears and whatnot um homa won last year because he just he hit the ball unbelievable it hit every fairway and every green it seemed like didn't didn't really have to use his family i don't think too much um, but yes, generally you're going to miss these greens or you're going to be, um, you're going to miss these fairways barely. And these big giant trees, um, are going to be in the way and you're going to have to work the ball. Um, it's got, it's just a great, great track. I mean, there's a reason why this field is always really good. There's a reason why that Tiger Woods has put his name on the event. Um, it's just, it's one of the best golf courses in the world. And it's, it's, uh, uh, of course that these like these guys like to to play so i'm going to really look at like i said the strokes gained um tee to green because it's going to take good driving it's going to take good iron play um but i do like that i never really thought about the scrambling part um that is something i think that you could definitely go with an outlier that maybe isn't quite as good on the tee to green but uh does hit it uh or, or is able to get the ball up and down the entire top 10 of the world is here this week. That's how good the field is. It's, it's so good. It's so awesome. It's going to be awesome. Um, so Ram is leading the charge as favor again, uh, plus 800. Uh, you know, last week he didn't hit the ball bad. I think he was in top 
top five in, in uh, uh, ball striking for the week. He just did not get anything going with the putter. Uh, so he's at plus 800. Cantley, who we talked about earlier, is is on a run. And Zach, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned history. Usually if you play well here, you play well here almost every year. Cantley with uh, four finishes in a row inside the top 20. Uh, JT at plus 1,400. He, of course, choked it away the year J.B. Holmes won. Uh, DJ is at plus 1,600. It's only his second start on tour. We saw him a couple weeks ago at Farmers. So a guy, of course, history, five straight finishes inside the top 20, including the win here in 2017. Hideki and Morikawa at plus 1,800. Uh, Rory, Cam Smith, and Scheffler at 22. Also, Xander at 22. I mean, it's just it's just a who's who. And uh, Hovland at 25, Zalatoris has moved down to 28 to 1. Um, I've made a couple bets so far. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach, I, I know who I think you're going to be on. Um, my first bet of the week was Colin Morikawa. I got him at 22 to 1. And um, I was so, so surprised that the second ranked player in the world who has not played poorly recently, who had a win in November, had a top five at the tournament of champions is this far down. Uh, what about you? I'm jealous to hear you got him at 2,200. Uh, I like a lot of the guys in this category. Um, aside from JT, which I'm normally a fan, uh, just two consecutive miscuts. And I don't know. I'm just not feeling this week. Uh, I think for me, Raman can't lay the odds are just not good enough. Uh, Maybe maybe can't lay for a top ten at, at plus one ten, but I just don't know. Um, I like DJ a lot this week. I think sixteen hundred is is a pretty fair number for him. Uh, plus three fifty for top five, which I think that's a reasonable odds. Um, I think Rory at twenty two hundred is an extremely good bet and a bet that I've already made. Um, and yeah, Rory's a guy that that I really like this week. Um, Xander, obviously, but I don't. I don't think I like him this week. He does have four top twenty fives in his four outings, but Rory to me, I don't know. I just got this feeling about Rory this week. I think twenty two hundred is is pretty, pretty great odds. I don't know that you ever see him at plus twenty two hundred odds. Uh, Rory McIlroy missed the cut last year, but before that, he had a fifth, a fourth, and a twentieth the prior three years. The last time we saw him, I believe in Abu Dhabi, he was, uh, you know, he hit the ball in the water in the seventy-second hole. He had a chance to win, so I, I think Rory is is underpriced as well. I agree with you. I made a uh, I made a bet tonight. It's going to be contingent on a couple of college teams winning. I was trying to get that number to closer to plus three thousand. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'm getting greedy, but uh, I love I love Rory under the radar because he has played this golf course well. He is in good form, and I think there is some motivation there um, as well. And you know, he won in the fall, so I I don't know. I really like Rory. You mentioned DJ. He had a awesome ball striking week two weeks ago at Farmers. Um, he gained nearly eight strokes tee to green, and he was just like total shit on the greens. And I think he lost nearly three shots that week on the greens. Um, and actually, uh, ball striking wise, it was his best ball striking week since 2020, the week before he won the masters. So I don't know if that's something to look at. I thought that's kind of interesting. Johnny, what are you thinking at the top here? Well, I liked a lot of the guys that you mentioned. Um, I've already bet Rory. I've already bet Colin Morikawa. Um, was really seriously looking at, at DJ, and I, I think you uh, you guys are both kind of kind of talking me into him. I mean, he's you know he hasn't played great this last year, but you know I think he's just he's just a little bit off, and and I think uh, he's about ready to turn the corner with the success of the golf course. You know, I, I expect some good things. I don't like the number, but I'm gonna um, I'm gonna bring him up as Pat Cantlay. Um, you know, UCLA grad. He had a tee time at this golf course every week of the year while he was in college. So has played the golf course a ton. To no surprise, he's finished well in the event. So sees it very, very well. Um, and as well as he's been playing, you know, um, you know, with with losing the playoff last week and, and having the success in the early season, this is kind of his his hometown event here on his golf course. So 
I might shop around. I think we could probably get him a little bit better than 10 to one, but uh, I would totally uh, hate doing that number. And another guy I want to talk about is, is Will, uh, Will Zalatoris. Um, great ball striker. Um, hopefully getting a little bit more confident with the putter. Um, putted okay at Torrey, played pretty well. 28 to one. You could probably get him somewhere at 31, 30 to one in some books. Um, I think uh, I expect a good week from him. I did bet Zalatoris already at 35 to one uh, on 35. Monday. Yes. Nice. Um, yeah. I mean, a ball striker, obviously he did have the COVID issue that, that pulled him out of pebble. We'll see if he's fully recovered. Even a guy like Victor Hovland is slipped down to 25 to one. And we know how well he's been playing the last few months. You know, I guess the, the, the two, negatives on Vic is that he really hasn't won an event in the main, mainland U.S. Um, yet. And his short game, I still don't know if you can trust it in at, at a course like this where I really think there's going to be some demands on him getting the ball up and down. Zach, I'm surprised you didn't talk about Xander. He's, he, like I said, they're, they're starting to appropriately price Xander now 22 to 1. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got a good price, and I couldn't end up putting money on him. But uh, I, I just I have feeling about a, a couple different guys this this week, and um, there's a couple guys above him that I just feel have a little better pedigree at this course. When we're talking about DJ, I was just looking at the paper. He has ten top tens in the fourteen attempts. So, I mean, I think his top ten number is one eighty. So that that's pretty Love good. That. Yeah, love that. Um, I think he. Top 20, you could even get uh, minus 125, which kind of feels a little crazy. Uh, going 30, uh, 30 to 1 and above, Brooks is coming off a, a pretty good week. Uh, we didn't really talk about him, but uh, obviously he was right there on Sunday. 35 to 1, Fitzpatrick, who always plays tough golf courses and tough conditions really, really well. He's at 35. Sunjay, Jordan. Taylor Gooch, Russ Henley, Sam Burns at 40. Uh, Adam Scott, we talked about Bubba uh, being a, a horse uh, for the course. He's at 45. And Finau, last year's winner, Homa at 50, and Leishman at 50. Um, Tony Finau at 50. He's not been playing well at all. But that's, that's, that's kind of interesting, is it not, Donnie? Yes, yeah. Yeah, he's, you know, we, we talk about on this podcast quite a bit that once these cer certain guys reach a number that you almost are kind of forced to, to bet them, you know, when a, when a top guy hits, you know, 25, that's normally half that or, you know, something like that, you got to bet them. I, I think, I think he's worth a little bit. Now he's not playing that well, but he played great last year. Um, what did he shoot? Like he was low sixties that last round, wasn't he? 64 um, right yeah he came from well but well back to get into that playoff there um so i think there's some some course history he's probably should be more at like 40 to 1 38 to 1 something like that so i think there is some value there at 50 i'm gonna bet him probably not much and i'll just have to kind of watch him how he does the week hopefully he makes the cut and, he, and he's you know somewhat in contention there but that's a that's a pretty good number there um, normally Max Homa, when he's at 50 to one or, or worse, he's kind of an auto bet. It's going to be really hard for a guy to defend though. Um, I, I think this is the one of the weeks that I really have to, um, kind of, you know, not really, uh, go after there. Um, the one guy of this group that, uh, I've, I, you know, I kind of like is, uh, is Taylor Gooch at 40 to one, um, been playing pretty good lately. And I think, uh, you know, he's a good ball striker, um, overall and, you know, pretty good putter. I think, um, the, the number might be a little aggressive there, but, uh, um, I still think he's got some good value there and, and I think he's going to play pretty well. I was like, Oh, Max real quick. This is just a, this is a, odd pricing to me so last week in a, in a much weaker field i mean a good field but not as strong as this he's 75 to one last week i know he won at this golf course but to be 50 to one this week and where all the top players are playing i 
that's almost too high for me for Max. I do I did bet him first round leader. I can see him getting off to a quick start. I kind of like him for that. I don't know if I like Max at fifty to one in this field though. Uh, Zach, this range, any takers on like Adam Scott, Bubba, forty five to one. I mean, I think Bubba at forty-five to one is is great. I I have circled Bubba's top ten at at plus three fifty, which I think is is a great number. Um, yeah, I think I might bet pretty aggressively at that. Um, the guy I like at this, I like Fitzpatrick. If I'm being honest, I think you know we could roll on that first first time winner thing here, and and Fitzpatrick could get his big win, and then. You know, he's a guy that when I watch him, I mean, he doesn't do anything extremely flashy, but he's just kind of always there. And, um, you know, I mean, a uh, win here could propel him to uh, to bigger things this year. So he's a guy that's always kind of talked about is could be breakout, could be the best guy that hasn't had a PGA Tour win yet on tour. Um, so it could be his week, and I, I think it's a good number. Yeah, and he... He always plays so well at Bay Hill. Uh, always a guy to look out for there in, in a couple of weeks. Um, I, yeah, for some reason, when things get really tough, the scoring gets tough, he always rises to the top. We'll see if that happens this week. Um, I don't know if I'm taking anyone in this range, to be honest with you. I, I might take a, 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 a chance on Tony um, because I do I do think it's a great course fit for him. Um Adam Scott's somewhat interesting, but then I, I then I have to visualize. Oh wait, Adam Scott has to putt, and I still can't go there. But he he's had a really he good plays well here. He plays so well here, and um, he's played decent in a, a couple of the the DPT DP World Tour events. I'm still having trouble saying that at this point. Um, so I might go Adam Scott. Um, I'd go Tony in there, but that would probably be it for me. Um, Sixty to one. And higher, Joaquin Neiman. Uh, I haven't heard much from him so far this season. Uh, Sergio, who's had a pretty decent history here as well, at sixty. Seamus Power at sixty. Casey at sixty. That's that's kind of low for him. Uh, Kokrak at back down to seventy, where we've kind of accustomed to seeing him before all these wins. Uh, Thomas Peters at seventy. Uh, Kevin Knott at seventy-five. Uh, I'm going to give you guys a stat. Uh, Johnny, you talk about ball striking. Um, they're just t- total tee to green. Uh, in the last 50 rounds in this field, uh, Thomas Peters is leading that category, and it's not close. He's gaining 3.8 strokes tee to green per round, and the second best is John Rahm at 2.1. Uh, Peters is doing it mostly by approach, uh, gaining three, almost three and a half strokes per round on approach. Um, I know the fields are weaker where he's been playing, but I think we're seeing Thomas Peters with a little bit of resurgence. He finished runner-up here in 2017 to DJ. I think I'm going to talk myself into Thomas Peters. I think you can. And didn't he win a few weeks ago on the DP Tour? So, um, you know, he's got some good play and some win equity to back it up. Um, you might, it's probably worth something, a little sprinkle on 70 to one. And you could, you know, you could look at betting him, um, in like top 20 or something like that in that kind of capacity there. But yeah, he, um, what years ago he was, he was a up and coming kind of phenomenal player. I mean, he was a Ryder cup, uh, contention for a spot every year and pretty much fell off for a, a solid few years. But this resurgence seems to be every bit as good as, uh, as he was. So I, I don't mind him at all in any real bet capacity, whatever, you, whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, I Sergio Garcia was, was a, a number that popped out there at, at 60 to one. I really don't know if, if he's going to win, but as good of a driver of the golf ball that he is, and, you know, he's a good iron player, you know, the, the, the putters obviously been his thing. Um, I, I bet you could get some pretty good top 20 or top 30 action on him. Um, and you could even look at a first-round lead bet on on Sergio because if he gets it all going and gets that putter rolling, I mean, he could shoot, you know, 63 out there, um, you know, pretty easily there. But uh, um, you also mentioned Jason Kokrak. He's in that, that uh, deeper area there. 
I, I started to talk myself into him when I saw him at that number there, but you know, he doesn't really work the ball both ways. And I think you got to kind of be able to hit draws and fades and, and, and uh, be able to, you know, move the ball in the air. And I think his type of ball striking as good as it is would normally on other golf courses um, that are maybe a little bit more wide open might be a good option. But here I'm, I'm a little hesitant. Um, like I said, originally though, when I first saw him, he may get, he may jump on my card in some capacity, but uh, he's inching down to that number where it's like, you really got to kind of look at it because there is that win equity from last season. Hillcrack finished second here in 2016 to Bubba. Um, so he has flashed here in the past. Um, Zach, I, I know we talked about up to about 75 to one. Is there anyone there or up to like a hundred to one that, that you think uh, could make a run at this? Uh, I like Sergio as well. And Johnny was saying top 20, I think it, uh, plus 190, I like that number for Sergio. Like you said, hitting the ball well, driving the ball well. Um, up to that number, I like Corey Connors as a ball striker. Uh, I mean, you can get him top 10 at 700. I, I actually don't have his top 20 number written down here. I'm not not sure why, but I'm sure that that's a number that, that I would be happy going for. Um, I, I have him written down here. so. Yeah. Yeah. I think Corey Connors is a guy who, you know, if he drives the ball well enough, uh, his ball striking could, could, you know, get him to a point where I don't know if I think he's going to win. I don't think anybody at this range is necessarily going to win, but you could get good odds on a top 10, top 20, top 40. Um, I, I'll probably sound like a broken record, but I, I said it. I said it in our, our lead up to the Tory Pines event that Tory Pines was uh, was basically built in a lab for Luke List, and I don't know if this course is that far that far off of that as well. And he's back down to eighty to one this week. Uh, I, I I don't think he's going to win two times in uh, three starts, but I am I'm going to take a chance on it. I'll probably be more likely to hit the plus six hundred on him uh, quite a bit. Johnny Patrick Reed at ninety to one. I can't. I, I I've never seen him down here. I've never seen him. I've seen him about as low as fifty to one, sixty to one. Is ninety to one warranted? And do you even think about it with him this week? I did bet him. Um, I didn't when I, before I really even looked at the odds. I think you sent me a text message that he was ninety to one. It's like this guy was routinely just a few years ago was probably in that somewhere between twenty and and thirty to one. You know, then he slipped back a little bit where he's been in the forties, but ninety to one. <laughs> Again, like like we were saying about some of these other guys that are on this list here. Do do I see him winning? Not really, but like last year when he won at Torrey, nobody really saw him winning either. So, I mean, you put a you put a two dollar and fifty cent bet on him and to win two hundred dollars. I mean, I could find other terrible ways or more, or worse ways to to spend that much money on that. So, yeah, he's on my card. He's not my best bet, but at that number, as good of a, a scrambler and as you know, great as his short game and his putting are, he just needs a decent ball striking week with that type of, uh, uh, with that type of short game. And, and we'll see, um, as far as any other names kind of in that, you know, that, uh, 130 to one and less, um, EVR, Eric Van Ruyen, um, he's been playing pretty well. Um, good ball striker. I think he could, uh, he could definitely make some noise. I'm not sure what he's got for course history. I actually did not review him beforehand, um, but I think there could be some value there in a top finish. Um, another name kind of blast from the past from a few years ago is Francesco Molinari. He's actually, uh, he lives in Los Angeles and he's a member there at Riviera. So, um, you know, he's got the course history. I think he's played pre pretty well there in the past. Um, 
I think you could find some some way where he makes the cut and you know maybe finishes top forty and you could get some pretty good plus money on him. Again, I don't think he's going to win. He's not going to beat these guys at the top here, but you know he, he's it's a little bit of a home course advantage there. So those are the ones that kind of stuck out in that range for me. Uh, Zach, a hundred to one and higher. Uh, anybody you like for the top ten market, top twenty? Uh, I think Molinari is is a steal at the number that he's at. He was tied for eighth last year, three for three in cuts in 2022, uh, kind of making a slight resurgence. And like Johnny said, his top 40 numbers plus 140, and that that's a steal. Top top 20 at plus 400. Uh, I think I think you can go pretty aggressively with Molinari. I mean, you can throw a little bit of money down on a win, and again, I agree. He's, He's probably not going to win, but if he does, well, them are them are excellent odds. So Molinari would be the guy that that immediately stuck out when I uh, I looked at it. And I think that if you look at the PGA Tours uh, rankings or power rankings, uh, to have a guy that's 130 to one as in the top 15 of the professionals power ranking, I think is is kind of a, a weird balance that that you don't see very often so kind of a, a reasonable opportunity to make a bet that you may not normally get to make on a guy that a lot of the experts are thinking could have a pretty good week uh, i did not see I, I did not see him in my my research but i i i like that i i can totally see him playing well here um Couple guys I had circled uh, Russell Knox at 180 to one, but 1200 for a top 10. He's really uh, been hitting the ball really, really well the last couple weeks. Um, I like him uh, to potentially have a run at top 10 or top 20. Um, Johnny, you can you can laugh once again. Uh, Pat Rogers, oh. unbelievable course history. Uh, five straight top 30s at this golf course, surprisingly. Um, he is down there in the range of 181 as well. Um, that would probably be a top 20 play for him. He is at, it's like around plus 600 for a top 10. Um, like I said, though, this is, um, this is a range where Aaron, Aaron Wise is 200 to one. I mean, Mito Pereira is 200 to one. We've seen guys like I don't know what JB Holmes was in 2019, but he had to be less than 150 to one, I think. Johnny, who are you uh, looking at in the top 10 market, top 20 market down here? Um, I mean, I was thinking I, my guy Mito. He he hasn't. He, he's a great ball striker. Has not been playing well, so I don't know if, that, if there's value there. Um, I don't. I. I what Cameron Champ jumped out at me. He's a guy who can kind of surprise. I don't know if this necessarily fits. I mean, he hits the ball a mile, obviously, not necessarily in the fairway, but I'm not sure. Has he is he got any course history here? Again, I didn't look. I mean, no. I I don't I don't know. There's not a lot of names I really like down here. Like I, I feel like, but you, like you said, this is either going to be won by someone that's way down the list, or it's going to be someone at the very, you know, very top. And I mean, there's a lot of this is just a lot of this is just rolling the dice. It's guessing it's just so much. So, Cam, yeah, Cam Champ has never never made the cut here. I wouldn't say it's a, a solid course history for sure. Um, yeah, Fowler down here at 200 to one, Doug Gim, Cam Davis. Uh, we saw Bo Hostler, uh, with the runner up a couple weeks ago. Uh, Cameron Young, he can bomb it. Zach was on him for a second for a while. I don't know. Anything else for the Genesis guys? I'm excited to watch some. Uh, no football this weekend, so no interruptions. Being able to watch, uh, hopefully, the final round on Sunday. Uh, and I hope to see a, a good leaderboard. Okay. Great golf course. 
watch the golf course. They're going to talk about how the 10th hole is the greatest short par four in the world. It is not, it's a good one. It's not a great one. Hmm. You watched the greatest short par four in the world probably Hmm. last week. So don't believe anybody when they say that the 10th at the Riv is the best short par four. It's a good one, but the green is so weird. You can't, you're going to make basically birdie or double you want to make either eagle or triple on a short par four. And that's what makes 17 at uh, TBC Scottsdale so much better, but it is a great hole. It's not the greatest. Like they'll, they'll, they will fawn over at CBS will the whole week and just don't believe it. But no, the golf course is is fantastic. It's just, it's a great old style course. Watch it. Enjoy it. The, The players all love it. And it's just, it's a real good event. And Tiger's going to be there, so they'll probably interview. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a year later from uh, from that time when w- with his accident. Um, yeah, two things. Number one, I haven't talked about it the last couple weeks. Um, CBS is killing it. I think coverage wise, they're doing a lot New of producer. great things. New producer. Uh, the 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 Colt Nose Amanda Balionis scene on sixteen was really fun on Saturday. I liked it. It was innovative. Uh, their drone shots uh, at Pebble were awesome. Um, they're I think they've they've overtaken NBC. So I, we haven't really talked about that. But um, second, I'm going to give a bonus pick for the uh, for the uh, Champions Tour events, uh, guys. The my my favorite name of the year, the Chub, the, the Chub Classic. Um, Okay. Brian, Brian Gay at plus 2,500 uh, is going to win the Chubb Classic this week. But I'm going to be betting Brian Gay because I think he is uh, – I, he, I think he just turned 50. He's primed to go out there. You see these guys that are pretty good on the tour, the Furyx and, and so forth. They go out there and they, they win pretty early. So I like Brian Gay this week at the Chubb Classic. Uh, locking it in. Lock it in. I Appreciate will make that bet. <laughs> All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you. Your best bet on uh, YouTube. Uh, Check out the videos we've been putting up and uh, our picks on Instagram, Facebook on Wednesday this week. And uh, I'll be back with Colin and Colin to talk about the NBA and what's going on there. So thanks for listening. Catch you next time.